With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy, today we are almost towards the tail end of concluding our uh, our draft gems, Islander draft gem segment. We started out all the way in round seven and beyond, and we've worked our way all the way to round two, grumpy old man, which is what we're going to be covering today. Yes, this is the penultimate uh, episode of the draft history of the New York Islanders, and the what did you say? Penultimate, the one before the finale. The finale will be the first round. This is the one before the finale. So, did you say the word penultimate? Penultimate, yes, yes, penultimate. Look it up. You profess to know all big words. I threw one that's a little bit larger than you're used to at you, and you're already confused and starting to panic on me. And also. Uh, I want to mention how we're going to do it because since you had such a childish reaction last week when I was doing my uh, honorable mention column where you thought I was putting them in some type of order, when I was not, I was just bringing up names. What I'm doing now to avoid any of your little fits is I'm going to do it from the year that they were drafted, earliest to latest. Uh, So this way there'll be no complaints for you. How about that? Well, good, Grumpy, because I definitely did have a knee-jerk reaction when I thought you were ordering these uh, honorable mentions in some specific way. And uh, to find out they were just on at random at least put me a little bit at ease, Grumpy. Yes, I I was not doing it one to ten. It's only the top three. Everything else is an honorable mention. And I now, like I said, I will do it from the year they were drafted, uh, you know, from past to present. Well, that sounds good, Grumpy okay, Old Man. And I want to, go ahead. I want, I want to start right off with uh, an unsung player for the New York Islanders. He was drafted in 1972, um, and he was actually uh, – he's been a multiple-time coach, uh, and he was a solid uh, penalty killer in the early years of the Islanders and was a two-time Stanley Cup winner, Lorne Henning. Um, really, like I said uh, – I'd say, uh, you know, bottom six player and really good at penalty kill, really good role player. Uh, You know, he had a couple of – he didn't score a whole lot of points, played his whole nine-year career with the Islanders. You know, one year he had 33 points, but that wasn't his job. He was a really, really solid role player. And without guys like that, I just remember him from all the early years, even before the Islanders won the Cup. Uh, Just a solid, solid player, Lorne Henning. uh, An honorable mention from 1972. Uh, and my next honorable mention uh, was one of two that was drafted in the year 1979. 
um, Billy Carroll. And a, a, probably a, a lot of newer Islander fans don't know who Billy Carroll is, but uh, he came, he was a four-time Stanley Cup winner, and his first year with the team, uh, he made an impact as a rookie, not necessarily during the regular season, but in the playoffs. And it's interesting because uh, it was he and Ken Morrow who brought uh, injected some young life into the team in that first Stanley Cup year. Morrow, of course, played for the United States Olympic team that won the gold medal in 1980, beating the hated Russians. Um, but Billy Carroll, during the regular season, he only played 18 games and he had eight points. But in the playoffs... He played 18 games and he had 12 points. Uh, and, and not not to, not to mention Grump as a plus 14. And again, when you're talking about that, it, it always speaks to to, to the, the player's ability to step up in the clutch and in the big moment. And it's one thing they perform in the regular season, especially as a rookie, and then to come in postseason play and you know still performing there in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean that. <laughs> It speaks to a whole different level and character of your game. Absolutely. And, you know, Dennis Potvin often speaks very highly of Billy Carroll um, as someone who had to subjugate his game to fit his role on the Islanders. you got to remember, you had 16 players who won four Stanley Cups on that team. And, you know, not everyone was going to be, you know, first and second line players. And the fact that he was able to do that uh, and, you know, come up with big moments when he had to, but he was uh, mostly a role player with that team on the checking line. And uh, like I said, he'll, he'll always be a favorite of mine. Um, and that's Billy Carroll. But like I said, they were two, they had two second round picks that year who turned out to be pretty good players. The second was Thomas Johnson, which who was uh, a defenseman with the Islanders. And he wound up playing with them uh, every year, except his last year, he split time with Edmonton. He played eight years with the Islanders, and he had uh, he put up some points during his uh, career with the Islanders. He had 50, and three, time, three times he had over 40. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, four times he had over 40. And like I said, he was solid. He wasn't a top-pairing guy, uh, but another solid defenseman who was there for – he only won two Stanley Cups – but he was another rock-solid defenseman back there and could always put up points, and he was from Sweden, like our first-round pick from a couple of years ago, Simon Holmstrom. I, I will say this, Grumpy, especially when you're talking about defensemen like that. I mean, he wasn't a guy of huge stature by any stretch of the imagination. But again, especially when you're a second-round pick, you're getting into that territory, Grump, to where playing is, I wouldn't say expected, but – and to a certain extent, you expect over 50% of your second-round picks to play in some capacity in the NHL. So to string together a career where you're playing you know, 500-plus games, you've definitely been a successful pick as a second-round selection. And to be a team and an integral part there of Stanley Cup champion winning teams, I mean, that always helps elevate that stature as well, Grum. Absolutely. And, you know, he had 344 points in 552 career games, which is pretty good for a defenseman. Uh, even back then, like I said, I, I they were just such a, you know, I, I hate to go back in the in the way back machine, but just everybody played their role for the Islanders, and there were no ego issues that they had on that team, and it's probably my favorite, one of my two favorite teams in all sports growing up was certainly that Islander dynasty back in the early eighties. Well, you talk about them playing their role and playing. Uh, you know, playing their part in the cog that made them an extremely successful franchise and a dynasty. I mean, that's always what the Islanders have been. 
the Islanders have never been a team to where, you know, a superstar player has a mentality of I am, you know what I mean? I, I am holier than thou kiss the sand that I walk on where some superstars, not all, but some superstars have that mentality. That's never a mentality that would work with Islander fans. It's never a mentality that would work out there, you know, on the Island either grumpy. Yes. I mean, without a doubt. And you know, that's the thing that just made the Islanders special, honestly. Um, and even to this day, if you, if you really want to think about it, um, my next honorable mention, uh, is a goaltender who does hockey night in Canada on the West coast, Kelly Rudy goaltender. Uh, he played, uh, 15 years in the league, six of them with the Islanders. And, uh, you know, during his time in the league, he was on the short list for the Vesna six times, seven times, I'm sorry, which is pretty good. Now you look at his numbers. Oh gosh, 3.47 goals against they were scoring a lot more goals back then as before the butterfly style, but uh, he always had a good, he had a quick glove hand, Kelly Rudy, and I met him personally and he was a really nice guy. So, uh, you know, that puts him high on my list. Anybody who's a nice guy who I talk to, they move up on the list. I think it's also important to mention as much as the grumpy old man has these honorable mentions. I know they're not in order. They have no specific order. But, you know, players do get extra bonus points if they're around the dynasty area. Grumpy old man gives them extra bonus points depending on how how, how much of an impact they have with the Islanders franchise. He gives them bonus points if they're nice guys. You know, grumpy old man, it's it's almost like whose line is anyway, right. especially during honorable mentions. You know, the points are made up, and it doesn't really matter who wins. That's right. Uh, but here's the thing. You do get bonus points for being part of championship team. Why? Because that's when the pressure is at its highest. And if you're able to, to produce at that level, as opposed to when your team is, you know, 10 and 40, uh, that counts for a little bit more in my book. And like I said, Kelly Rudy was one of those players. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed him uh, when he played, and he was a really nice guy when I spoke to him. And if you ever get a chance to listen to Hockey Night in Canada, he's very insightful there as well. But you're right, grumpy old man. Being on the Vez in the short list there, what did you say? It was seven, seven times, times or eight that times? That was like from 11 and up. You know, and you know they always say, oh, Vesna number 11. So he has a thing. He was getting votes for the Vesna. So, <laughs> you know, some I think a couple of times he was like uh, top five and stuff like that. I'm counting here, grumpy old man. I'm counting nine times in his entire career. Maybe it was just seven with the Islanders. But I, I'm counting nine times, Grumpy Old Man on the Vesna. Still a, a very impressive feat, Grumpy. It's, Again, to be- it's seven. I'm going to guarantee you okay. it's seven because if you look, three of yours are going to be exactly the same. Okay, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, I, I was about to say, yep. Uh, again, still an impressive feat for certain to be on that list there Absolutely. as a second-round pick. Definitely a successful pick. Right. Uh, and next uh, is Gordy Deneen, who was another defenseman, drafted in 1981. And, you know, when this is all said and done, you know, I like to rip saying we can't draft in the second round anymore, uh, you know, only in the old days. But you got to remember there were a lot less teams back then. So today some of these players who were drafted in the second round would have been players picked in the first round in today's day and age just because of the number of teams. Um but Gordy, yes, Grumpy. I mean, I mean, that's what I mean. As you get again, obviously, as you mentioned, you get a little bit uh, further back in day. I mean, you have picks that are like seventeenth or twentieth overall that are still second round picks. Right, and I, you know, I don't want the neophyte fans to think that oh, Grumpy old man is ripping on us because we're newbies and millennials and 
whatever we are, and we don't know anything about hockey history. So I just want to throw them a little bone as well. And uh, Gordy Deneen was a solid NHL defenseman. He played 13 years in the league. His first seven with the Islanders, and uh, actually his last year, he spent had a cup of coffee with the Islanders as well. Uh, you know, not a, not the greatest defenseman in the world, uh, but a solid defensive defenseman. Uh, like I said, who when you're playing when you're playing 13 years in the NHL, you've had a successful career. So, oh, for certain. I mean, again, <laughs> what did I say? The average lifespan. I don't know the average lifespan of the NHL player. Is it like five or six years? Grown? I know it's a little bit longer than the NFL, but I'm not sure as to how much longer. Well, it's tough. You know, you have so much competition every year. Somebody trying to take your job, and if you're not exceptional, uh, you're going to lose that job. And for somebody to play that many years, you know, we had to be doing something right. Not like I said, these guys. Whenever you know, when I did the research on this. It always warmed my heart whenever I come up with the olden guys I remember from when I was younger, oh, so many years ago. And uh, so Gordy Deneen, I'm like, oh, yeah, Gordy Deneen. I remember him, man. So, you know, it is what it is. Back on to the countdown. And uh, next was a goalie who was drafted in 1987, uh, Jeff Hackett who wound up playing 15 years in the league. He only played two years with the Islanders. He's probably best known for his years with uh, Montreal and Chicago. Um, but, you know, he put up good numbers too. He was a Vesna uh, Trophy top 10 guy in, uh, when he was 31 years old with Montreal. But he was a solid goalie as well. And, uh, you know, somebody drafted by the Islanders, like I said, didn't put up big numbers with them, only lasted there two years before moving on to San Jose. But anytime you're playing 15 years in the NHL, that's a good draft pick, even if he didn't play for the Islanders. I mean, Jeff Hackett had some really good years, grumpy old man, with Chicago. I mean, he had some really good years there with Chicago. I'm talking about, and again, not world-beater numbers, but I mean, if you think about it, grumpy old man, he was posting back, and I'm talking about the late 1990s save percentages of, you know, around two or 930, I'm sorry, and goals against averages in the low twos. I mean, I, that's, that's a pretty impressive feat there for certain grumpy old man. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, my next player who was drafted uh, in 1989. Uh, the thing I remember about him is he used to get in disagreements with Milbury all the time. They, it seems like they didn't get along well when Milbury was a GM. And there's Travis Green, who right now – So, Grumpy, I have a quick question. Yeah. So because he got in arguments and disagreements there with Mike Milbury, does that actually move him up to a top three position? Because I'll be honest, Grumpy old man, if he got in a few more disagreements with Mike Milbury, who knows where the franchise and organization would be today? Well, here's the thing. He's an honorable mention, so he's not on, he's not in the number list. Okay, just an honorable mention. And like I said, we're going from oldest to youngest, so that's why we have Travis Green at this spot uh, in our countdown. Uh, now he did have a couple of really productive years for the Islanders. Scored seventy points one year, sixty-four another. Kind of reminds me of Josh Bailey, uh, you know. Didn't, but he was he was there during the dark times for certain, and uh, right now he's a really successful coach with the Vancouver Canucks, um, and he played 14 years in the league, uh, you know, mostly with the Islanders, but he spent time with Anaheim and Toronto and Phoenix and Boston. Uh, like I said, he was a – I would say if I was going to compare him to anyone – I mean, I know he played second line for us back then, um, but he was really not a second-line talent, kind of like Josh Bailey. Well, I mean, 
again, you talk about what he's got coming up in the coaching career. I mean, hell, the Vancouver Canucks Grumfield men are quite a talented team, and, and that organization is going to be, I'm telling you, a very, very, very dominant in the West Coast as long as they're able to continue to keep that team pretty much together there. Got a young nucleus, can really skate. Very high offensive power there, uh, scoring. Goaltending seems to be sorted. Uh, I mean, he's looking forward to hopefully a successful coaching career there too, Grumpy. Old absolutely, absolutely. Um, like I said, uh, he was he was he was an okay player, not the top three. So don't get don't panic, okay. But the fact that uh, he did have disagreements with Milbury certainly moves him up on my list without a doubt. Um, my next honorable mention was a defenseman who played for the Islanders not too many years, but I always liked him. I thought he was going to be captain material, and he actually wound up being a captain uh, for teams that he played with later in his career, which is Brian McCabe, who played 15 years in the league. Um, probably most people are going to remember him playing for Toronto. Uh, I mean, he was really solid. He was a second-team all-star one year with Toronto. Uh, I mean – I thought I really thought he was going to be something good for the Islanders, and they wound up dealing him away in the uh, ill-fated uh, Trevor Linden deal with Todd Bertuzzi himself for uh, Trevor Linden, which was a, a bad deal for the Islanders. Anyway, you look at it. Cert- certainly didn't work out for his crumpy old man. Not that traded. Absolutely right. not. But like I said, a solid defenseman. Uh, one year had sixty-eight points, and the you know he, he scored. Over 50 points three times in his career and 40 and over 40 another two. I mean, you can't ask for more than that from a defenseman. And he was a physical guy back there, too. Really, really solid. Um, you know, for his career, he was a uh, plus minus 34. But in Toronto, he was a plus minus 63. And, uh, you know, so you really can't argue with that type of production. Like I said, 15 years in the league. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. I know that he's been in the front office Um I'm not sure of which team he was in the front office with, but maybe maybe it was Florida. I can't really remember. But he's still involved in hockey. So good for good for Brian McCabe. I wish he could have done more with our team, but that ill-fated Trevor Linden trade did him in. Um, and, you know, we're getting very, very close now, TJ, to the top three. We only have two <laughs> more honorable mentions to look at uh, before we get to the top three, which are actually the ones that I rank. Uh, the first is going to be Blake Como, who, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'm not a huge Blake Como, and he was okay for the Islanders, put up, you know, over 40 points one year, uh, you know, just an average player. But he played 14 years in the league, and he was a solid role player. You know, we'd score, for the most part, you know, you know, 20, 30 points a year. Um, good, good, you know, good defensive player, uh, but not somebody who's going to make your top three, unless your team is really, really bad. So, but he certainly is an honorable mention, uh, and that's Blake Como. Yeah, grumpy old man, I can tell you one thing. I wanted to, I was able to get that pulled up for you. Brian McCabe is actually the um, the director of player personnel for the Florida Panthers. So you're right, grumpy old man. Bingo. There you um, go. Look at that. <laughs> I, I thought I thought because I mean he did have a little bit at the end of his career. He was with Florida. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know if he was there or not. If it was somewhere else. Now, Blake Homo, grumpy old man, man, oh, man, I guess I've seen almost his entire career, at least since I kind of started paying attention to hockey uh, back in the early 2000s, grumpy old man. But, I mean, that's a guy who, again, never was going to really light the score sheet up on fire. Uh, More of a defensive defensive forward there than he was necessarily a high offensive, talented player. 
but definitely deserves, you know, a name there on that list. He's turned himself a very successful NHL career playing. What is it? Close to over 500 games. Crumb. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I know that a lot of younger fans uh, will remember him and probably think fondly of him because even bad teams have to have players to root for. And he was certainly one of those without a doubt. Now someone with a little bit more knowledge say, you know what? He wasn't that great, but I could understand from younger fans such as yourself, Having a boy combo. I'm not. I'm. I'm not putting him in great category, Grumpy. He's probably, but anyhow, he's probably in your top two all time. He's my, He's the best. He's the best second round pick, Grumpy old man. What are you talking about? Uh, no, but <laughs> I mean, 850 games in the NHL is an impressive feat there by itself. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, and not to put him down, uh, but he was not one of my top three. But he was, uh, you know, someone that I consider an honorable mention. You play that many years in the league, you got to be doing something right. Now we are down to our final honorable mention, and this is an Islander was an Islander fan favorite. A matter of fact, I still think he's a favorite among Islander fans. A defenseman who played seven years for the Islanders uh, during many of the lean years. Uh, Travis Hamanick. And uh, as we all know about Travis Hamanick, he was uh, a solid – he was our – I think he was our best defenseman until uh, Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty came in. He was our number one defenseman. And then he had, you know, the family issues where uh, the Islanders being the class organization they are dealt him to Calgary. So we can be closer to back home, Grumpy Old Man. But the hammer, the hammer was a huge piece, Grumpy. He was a huge piece of this team and the organization there for a lot of those years. I mean, he was he was one of our top defensemen. And I know you liked him quite a bit when you were younger, did you not? Oh, Grumpy Old Man. Well, I wouldn't say when I was younger, but I, I mean, even throughout his career, he was an extremely he was an extremely integral part there to our team. I mean, he was a top top pairing defenseman for us, Grumpy, for quite some time. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, Islander fan favorite, particularly among the younger fans. Uh, but now, yes, you can sound the trumpets because we are in our top three, okay? And the bronze medal goes to another younger Islander player because I didn't want everyone to think, oh, he's only going to pick older players for the top three. Not true. Um, my number three, of course, he's not going to be one of the top two because I have older players to go to. Well, the top two, the top two, pretty much grumpy old man should be guarantees, and I think even number three is a guarantee, right? When you go ahead and you start looking at you know the players who were drafted there in the second round, we have drafted some players who've had very successful NHL careers, and really there are three who set themselves apart. So number three, uh, Zygmunt Palfi, right, Grump? Absolutely. He's got to be right? absolutely Ziggy Palfi, absolutely. Uh, he was during the dark times, the Millbury times. He was the bright light of this franchise, without a doubt. Uh, you know, he played six years for the Islanders, and uh, he almost averaged, I mean, close to 30 goals a year. Um, I mean, just a solid, solid player and a super fan favorite as well. He left the team as part of the deal that brought in Ole Jokinen. Uh, I mean, Ole Jokinen was the biggest piece. Um, they brought in Josh Green, Matthew Biron, and uh, first-round pick who wound up being Taylor Pyatt. But – you know, Jokinen was the only guy who tan, panned out, even though it was for another franchise with another ill-fated Millbury deal. Uh, but I remember that was a, a dark time for Islander fans when Ziggy Palfy got traded. I remember the fans were very, very unhappy about that uh, in 1999, which was, you know, over 20 years ago. 
I mean, Grump during that time period, he probably was the most offensively gifted player on our team by quite, quite a large margin, Grump. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, like I said, every first it was the name, you know, everybody, oh, what the heck? And I remember the best thing was uh, he was in a contract squabble with the aforementioned Mike Milbury. And, uh, you know, uh, Milbury's agent felt that he deserved more money. And uh, that's when the phrase came out. You said Milbury's agent. Oh, I'm sorry, you mean Palpy's agent. And that's when uh, the aforementioned comment of some village is missing an idiot came about, you know, like the village idiot and some, some village is missing an idiot. So that's where that came about. It was with the contract negotiations with Ziggy Palfy oh, many years ago. Uh, which brings us to our final two. Uh, these are two, they're in the Islander Hall of Fame. They have their numbers retired. Uh, the first one is a left wing who, when we did our most underrated series uh, last summer, uh, he was at the top as the most one of the as the most underrated Islander player of all time. Since then, uh, since I'm sure the Islanders brass listens to this podcast, they're like, "Hey, that's right, he is underrated. Let's get his sweater up there in the stands." Um, and that's certainly the case, which is now, and that's John Tonelli, who was part of the biggest goal that the New York Islanders are ever going to score in their history. Uh, Tonelli to Nystrom, he scores to beat the Philadelphia Flyers to win that first Stanley Cup. Uh, John Tonelli was an absolute rock and an animal uh, for the Islanders back in the, uh, you know, the, glory, the early glory years without a doubt. And unfortunately for him, he got dealt because they were having issues with the contract also. Uh, maybe he moved on to Calgary and still had, uh, and then later the Kings and still wound up having very, very productive seasons. I mean, he did score 100 points for the Islanders one year. Um, but you know, you could, he was a clutch, clutch player, uh, was a finalist for the Selkie trophy a number of years, uh, was second team all-star. I mean, just a rock solid two-way player. You could never go wrong with John Tonelli. I mean, he's also part of that Mount Rushmore of the Islanders franchise and the Islanders dynasty. I mean, obviously he gets the most notable piece there for, you know, Tonelli to Nystrom, he scores, um, but I mean, he'll always go down as a legend there, as as a part of the Islanders, you know, dynasty there, Grump. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to put him on the Mount Rushmore. Remember, Mount Rushmore is top four players on, in the history of the team. So I don't think he's one of the top four players in history, but he's certainly on the short list without a doubt. And once again, you know, when you win four Stanley Cups in eight years, uh, almost scoring a point a game, you're going to get more points from me. A lot more points. <laughs> well, again, you're not going to see me arguing too much that Tonelli deserves to be over Zygmunt Palfi. So I, <laughs> you don't see me arguing that, Grump. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I, actually, I didn't I didn't think – I thought it was actually pretty simple picking the top three in the second round, which I was surprised. I thought it would be tougher, honestly. Um, but it does show – if you think about it, we really haven't had a successful second-round pick since uh, Hamannick in 2008, which is a long time. So we need to get a little bit better, especially this year when we have multiple steps, separate, uh, multiple uh, picks in the second round, particularly after the Devon Taves trade. Yeah, Grump, I, I'll tell you. I mean, I, 
Or at least, I mean, you look at, if you look, if you look at recent second round picks, I mean, she's, uh, you know, I mean, Ishikov is pretty far off there. Bodie Wild, again, another guy who's pretty far off there. I mean, Samuel Bolduck, another guy who's pretty far down the road. So, it's real tough, Grump. I mean, for a long time, I mean, we we're trading their second round picks occasionally there, Grump. So yes, it, it is unfortunate we haven't had an extremely successful second round pick in quite some time. Uh, but you're hoping some of these younger guys will be able to make an impact that were second round picks we've recently selected. Absolutely, and even as if you even just maximizing that draft capital to improve the team, which is something we desperately need to do. We need to get younger, and uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do it this next off season. Obviously, not for this season coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, another thing, also, I mean, if you're looking at for a lot of our second round picks, I mean, even Robin Sallow too, but a lot of our second round picks, even after Travis Hamanick, were in the early second rounds too. So it's not like we were drafting later on in the second round. So it spurns you a little bit more being a fan when you know you're getting those early second round picks. You know they're almost considered late first round picks, and you're still not able to execute on them. Well, right. What does it say about your scouting staff then, right? I mean, you know, when you're picking in the, when you're picking in the top five every year, it's easy to make those picks, or should be easy. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, Michael Del Cole, uh, notwithstanding. Um, but if you're picking, you know, when you're picking early in the second round, that's where you and like third and fourth rounds, that's when your scouting staff should really earn their money is finding those gems, uh, taking a chance on some younger players who maybe have a special talent. And that's we need to get back to that, like we did in the olden days. Well, I will say this much, Grump. In 2014, 13, 14, 15, and 16, the Islanders did not have a second-round pick. And I, I will tell you this much. Before we get to number one, which is, I think, a foregone conclusion, I'm shocked in this list you did not include Scott Mayfield, Grumpy Old Man. I'm not sure if it's because he hasn't played long enough for your liking, Grumpy Old Man, or he just hasn't had big enough of an impact. I know he's, you know, really for the most part just had a cup of coffee up there in the NHL, but I'm shocked Scott Mayfield didn't make it as an honorable mention yet. You know what? Scott Mayfield should have made this list. Absolutely. <laughs> because I just, I, you know what? I remember when I was reviewing, I said, Oh, Scott Mayfield. And you know, he's one of my favorite players. I love Scott Mayfield. And I just didn't write him down. So sorry, Scott. Uh, but, you know, we can add Scott Mayfield in now. I mean, rock solid defenseman, still makes too many passes into the center of the ice from, you know, in bad <laughs> spots. We'll see how that works with Nick Letty uh, this year. But, yeah, I, lo- I love Scott Mayfield. He's willing – I mean, not a great fighter, but he's not afraid to get beat up if need be to help out a teammate. He's a, he's a bigger physical defenseman for certain. Skating is not a strong suit of his. He's, you know, more defensive-oriented. And, I mean, again, if when all things are said and done, grumpy old man, if he can string together himself a career where he's playing 500-some-odd games at the NHL, Again, another successful another successful career as a second-round pick. I mean, he's 28 years old now, and the thing is, the majority of the time period, he was playing there for the Bridgeport Sound Tiger for quite a few years. But, I mean, it's not it's not uh, inconceivable to think, you know, he'll have a successful career of over 500 games. And hopefully, you know, as the honors continue to progress, maybe he's going to be able to get some, uh, maybe a Stanley Cup or so. He should have been on my list. He should, absolutely should have been on my list. So that's a, a faux pas for the grumpy old man. Uh, definitely, I, I can't believe I didn't write him down because he was definitely on my on my short list for certain. And I don't know, Alex. I don't know what the heck happened. Probably had brain fart. Who knows? But he, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't write him down. But he certainly has already had a successful career. I mean, you're a top four defenseman on one of the better defensive teams in the league, and that's your style of play. You've been a successful pick, and 
like I said, they exposed him in the in the expansion draft to the Kraken. Uh, I expect him to get snapped up pretty quick. I was about to say a guy who's on a really really cost friendly deal um, as a defenseman. And it's a top four defenseman on a really really solid defensive team. Again, it does carry a little bit more weight too. Absolutely. Which brings us to number one. I mean, I don't think anyone can dispute this. Uh, I want to say this is probably the greatest second-round pick of all time. Uh, this player is a Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup winner, uh, won the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year, won the Hart Trophy, won the Conn Smythe Trophy for Playoff MVP, uh, won the King Clancy Award, uh, four-time All-Star, won the Ross Trophy for uh, scoring for the most points in the league in 1978-79, and uh, probably the best two-way center there's ever been, and that's Brian Trottier. Uh, I mean, you know, think about when he left the Islanders, he goes to play for Pittsburgh and wins two more cups for them. And he was – and Mario Lemieux often uh, credits him with bringing a certain type of leadership – that they needed to get over the hump to become the team that they became when they won their two Stanley Cups. And he credits Brian Trottier for that. I mean, to me, the quintessential two-way center made everyone around him better, was not afraid to mix it up, had tremendous chemistry with Mike Bossy. Uh, just a fantastic, fantastic player. Well, another thing with Trottier, you kind of forget sometimes that he was – on that Pittsburgh team. And he did win two more Stanley Cups there with Pittsburgh. I'll tell you one thing, Grumpy. Not only is he the best second-round pick the Islanders have ever selected, but he also has probably the most iconic Islanders pitcher <laughs> as well there when he's flipping off the camera in practice. <laughs> Always well, the funniest Islanders pitcher as well, Grumpy old man. And, you know, he is one of the guys who, you know, right now it's iconic. Anyone who wins a Stanley – any team that wins a Stanley Cup – they all put the cup in the center ice, and they all kind of lay down around. That started with that Pittsburgh team with Brian Trottier. I believe he was credited with being the one who started that, wanting everyone to get down around the cup like that. Huh. I didn't know that, Grump. Yeah. Like I said, all-time great Islander. And now he's a guy on the New York Islanders, Mount Rushmore, without a doubt. And that's what I'm saying. When you have that many great players, that's why I say John Tanelli doesn't make it. Now you look at somebody like Tanelli, he probably would be on Mount Rushmore on just about, you know, half of the teams in the league. But he doesn't for me, he doesn't make it for the Islanders just because of the players that they had in their organization. And we're going to be talking about them in our finale episode next week. Absolutely grumpy old man. I know you've been greatly enjoying going back in time into yesteryear and reviewing some of the old Islander draft picks. I know we've made it now all the way from the later rounds, from round seven and later, all the way to round two, grumpy old man. And I know you're going to be more than enthralled and ready for round one. I want to hear kind of what your experience has been as you were digging up and kind of gathering some information because I know there's going to be a lot of names next week. I just want to, what was the thing that shocked you the most through this gathering process and going through and looking at draft gems the Islanders have selected? Um, how poorly we've drafted uh, in the last 10, 15 years for the most part. I was really surprised. I, I mean, I thought going, oh, we really, you know, we really hit a bunch of home runs in the later rounds. Not the case. Uh, a couple we did. But for the most part, I think our drafting has been poor. 
and that's why you see where where we're at, where we've been at for a number number of years. I mean, you know, if you draft well, even when your team is not a, you know doesn't want to spend money like the Islanders didn't want to do under Charles Wong, and even before that, uh, if you draft well you have cost certainty with players. But when you draft poorly and you don't want to spend money, you wind up with guys like John Sim in your lineup for years and years. Uh, you know, those that's just the way it is. You have to be able to hit on draft picks. And you can't – and when you do draft well, you can't deal those players away, um, which is what we've done also on numerous occasions. We've dealt players away. We've rushed players up in the lineup, grumpy old man. I mean, the list goes on and on for <laughs> for, for mistakes we've made there in the past regarding you know early on draft picks. But yeah, I, when I was kind of looking over the list, I noticed the same bit as well. I mean, we've had some occasional picks later on as of recent that have panned out for us, Grump. But it's not like we have one of those huge items where it's like, oh, we've selected a guy like a Braden Point later on in the draft, or we've identified somebody in the third round that can really go ahead and turn, you know, you know, really tip the needle in the right direction to turn a franchise into, you know, a real contender. I mean, we've had a lot of players that have been really disciplined and that know their role and with a great coach and a great general manager, we've really been able to turn, you know, what was a laughing stock in the NHL three years ago into a team that now is a real contender year in and year out. With basically the same players that we had previously. It's not like, like I said, it's not like Lamarillo has brought in, you know, a bunch of players to help turn this franchise around. Everyone was here at that point in time. It shows you, and again, I know we bag on Barry. We, you know, we rag on Barry Trotz every once in a while for certain things he doesn't do well. For as many things that we rag on him for, he does about fifty or sixty things right <laughs> compared to the one thing he does wrong. I mean, Barry Trotz, you're right. He took a, the cast and crew that we had here that was absolutely a laughing stock in the NHL bottom of the barrel and he turned him into a really successful team or were a contender year in and year out. He maximizes players' talents to play a two-way game. I don't think he's conducive to having great offensive players, just not the style that he preaches, but he can take a team with lesser talent, which I don't think the Islanders are supremely talented with the exception of a couple players, um, but he's able to keep them as solid contenders every year with his system. So, I mean, you can't argue with that, you know, optimally you want to get better players and have them mesh into that system. But until that happens, we're just going to be happy with where we're at right now. <laughs> well, already there, grumpy old man. Um, I know these, these podcasts are a little shorter. Um, we are getting ready to, to hit round number one. And after we release round number one, it's going to be, Full-on NHL season time, Grumpy Old Man. So we timed it perfectly. I want to know, Grumpy, before we kind of wrap things up, if there's anything else you want to say? Uh, no, like I said, I have absolutely totally loved doing these uh, draft issues because that's – I love – here's the thing. When you are the fan of a losing team, which the Islanders have been for the last, what, for the most part for the last, what, 30 years or so, you live for the draft. That's what you live for. Anyone who roots for losing teams can tell you that. It's always, you know, wait till next year, and you're always looking for the next guy to come down the pipe. And, you know, so that's why I've always been into it. The Islanders are always picking in the top five. So, you know, it's like, who are we going to pick? And then occasionally when we pick later, and some guys that I like fall to us, and then we pick, you know, Simon Holmstrom's and guys like that. Well, 
that just gives me another reason to throw the remote. <laughs> well, thank you, grumpy old man, for taking part of this podcast as always. My pleasure.